This is John Vibes. Welcome back to the Free Thought Project. We're here today with a special guest, Bill Ottman of Minds. That is the new social media platform that we have joined in Wake of the Purge. A couple of us were on there prior, but now we're really kind of putting a lot of more of our focus on Minds because they are a censorship-free platform where there are no algorithms to control anything. Uh, but instead of having me give you the pitch, I will uh, turn it over to Bill Ottman of Minds. I'll have him introduce himself and explain a little bit of what the platform is about. What's up, guys? Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. So Minds, yeah, we're a crypto social network. Uh, everything is fully free and open source. All of our code is publicly available. Uh, GitHub.com slash Minds. You can go inspect it, fork it modify it, make your own app with it, help contribute to the code. You know, this is essential for transparency, people understanding what code they're interacting with, what it's doing to them. Obviously, Google, Facebook, Twitter, none of them are are open source. So we don't know what is happening under the hood, and this is the root of the problem. Uh, additionally, we're, you know, very privacy-focused. You don't have to give over any personal information if you don't want to. You have the right to be anonymous, and we encrypt any inf- information that we do have. And we're also now moving towards decentralization and crypto. So basically, we have an ERC-20 token on the Ethereum blockchain, the Mines token, and you earn tokens every day for your contributions to the network. So based on the engagement you receive, referrals you make, uh, your activity, you earn tokens every day. And one token that you earn will give you a thousand extra impressions when you boost with it. So it's really sort of this vent out of out of the void, and you can actually get more eyeballs on your stuff. So we're just trying to do everything the opposite of what the major proprietary censorship platforms are doing. You know, I think that there's brilliant engineers at a lot of those companies, and they've obviously created well-designed software that can potentially help facilitate human communication but it's just completely corrupt and and rotten now and uh so yeah we're trying to take the good things uh but also just invert the bad well we've certainly as you know had our fair share of censorship and uh, you guys have been uh, nothing but supportive not only you yourself but your staff has reached out to us um enthusiasts for the site have reached out to us and it's been really helpful just to kind of understand how things work. And I, I personally really appreciate the tokens. I really, I think that's a brilliant idea, especially for people who are just starting out. If their page doesn't have a ton of subscribers, it's a great way to kind of boost getting into the news feed. And there's also the option too. You could also have the sidebar too if, with the boost. So you could get your actual uh, account and page out there to more people so they see that mm-hmm. as well as just the content that you post 
Yeah, and you can send the tokens peer-to-peer directly to other users. So this is actually one of the sort of soon-to-spike uh, features that I'm really excited about. It's called a boost offer. So I could actually send Free Thought Project an offer of like 100 tokens, and you'll get notifications that say, Bill's offering you 100 tokens to share this post. You accept it or reject it. It's peer-to-peer advertising where we're taking ourselves out of the equation. Because, you know, we all know, knew what was happening on other social networks. There's sort of this side economy where pages are promoting each other and it's a big pain. We wanted to automate that whole system so that people don't have to go through us to get exposure. They can, they can send offers directly to brands and organizations that they want to engage with. So that's really cool. And then you can also subscribe to other channels on a monthly recurring basis sort of like a crypto Patreon model where you offer exclusive content to your supporters and people can su- subscribe to you monthly. So we're trying to have as much utility for the token as possible. That's great because we got punished from Facebook for doing exactly what you just were talking about. They call it coordinated inauthentic behavior. I mean, no, we were just sharing with each other on different pages information that was doing well for us. If it's something that was important, that was valuable, our our fans would like it. They would share it. We'd recognize that as being something that should be shared around our network through other pages. And that's just natural. Like that's something we've been doing ever since we've started on Facebook, all of us. I mean, that's just common sense. That's what grassroots is in its essence. So it's crazy that they've kind of flipped this on its head. And now that's supposed to be spamming or inauthentic behavior. So I I love that you guys have actually harness that and you're actually trying to to do something with it in a positive yeah, way. Yeah, embrace it. They just approach everything from this twisted perspective. And hey, look, we we have, you know, I was growing on Facebook with you guys. I mean, we worked with Intermedia a lot and um, you know, I was uh, one of the people who helped start Exposing the Truth and Alternative World News Network and um, you know, the Minds Facebook page has like quarter million and the you know five ten years ago you could get crazy reach from facebook you could really drive traffic to important issues and then year after year we just saw the reach getting strangled and you know revenues going down and they're just it's apparent what they're doing and you know they did the bait and switch they brought everyone in under this uh assumption that you could reach your followers which is you know the obvious purpose of a social network to reach the people that follow you and they took that away because they knew they could monetize it and yeah they screwed everyone over they screwed their all brand pages this isn't even about alternative media and mainstream they screwed over the mainstream media too now they will favor the mainstream who is still paying them million millions of dollars in advertising they, they'll sort of let them maintain some reach but those people all got um, completely betrayed as well. And, and that's why I think we're so poised and a lot of other emerging alternative networks are, are poised to, to t- you know, Facebook is hemorrhaging. They, everyone hates them. Their co- co-founders of Instagram just left. The co-founder of WhatsApp left all over privacy issues, all over how they're handling these companies. I mean, literally, the Oculus guy left. They're all leaving. It's becoming actually absurd. Yeah, I think it's interesting, especially how this whole situation has been developing, because I've been seeing mines over the years. As you said, there have been new features that have been spiking on a fairly regular basis, and I kind of notice that they usually tend 
to one of two factors involved. Either you see something awesome that's going on somewhere that, and you bring that into your platform, or you see something ba- bad that's going on on a platform that might be in the news or something, and then you'll go and do the complete opposite. Can you explain a little bit about the, uh, I guess you could say, growth and various stages of Minds that you've been along for the ride with? Yeah. So we first launched the mobile apps in 2015, and that was around the NSA Snowden leaks and, uh, you know, that initial privacy scandal. We got like, you know, and with a lot of anonymous uh, events occurring, and we support the right to anonymity. So we got like a quarter million users in like, you know, just a few weeks after that first launch. And then every scandal, every algorithm manipulation, censorship event. I mean, like a few months ago, we got 150,000 users from Vietnam, actually, because it was announced that a cybersecurity law, quote unquote, cybersecurity law is going to affect in January, which is essentially a revolving door uh, surveillance and censorship law between Facebook and the Vietnamese government, where you know, the Vietnamese government can request to get content taken down or they can spy on people. And so all of these big journalists and activists from Vietnam signed up and they're an incredible community. The same thing happened in um, in uh, multiple other countries where these kinds of things are happening. And then also with the YouTube demonetization, with the censorship happening there and on Twitter, I mean, you know, you can directly correlate the growth curves with these events. So I, I just wanted to touch back on what something you said a few minutes ago about the bait and switch with Facebook. I guess I kind of realized that's exactly the terminology, but I just hadn't placed my finger on it. And that's exactly what happened. And I feel like that was part of our frustration as well, because here we are creating content on a daily basis and trying to build our pages with the expectation that we were going to continue to get more and more reach with the more and more fans that we accumulated. And I would say up until about 2015, 2016, that was kind of the case. I mean, yes, there was throttles, there was shadow banning. But since 2015, we've actually looked on the back end through our analytics and, you know, we had 500,000 fans on the Free Thought Project. And by the time our page was purged uh, October of this year, we had 3.1 million fans. And between that time, our fans would continue to increase, but our reach decreased. So, you know, of course, us having a business, I mean, we had writers we had to pay. We had full-time employees or helping with, helping with social media. So we needed to figure out a way to continue getting the reach that we are supposed to be getting. So, of course, yeah, we started posting on more pages. Page admins from across you know, our network were, were sharing more information. We're posting more and more links on each other's pages. I mean, what does Facebook expect? Of course that's going to happen. That's natural, right? So once again, you know, we don't have to keep harping on Facebook here because also Twitter is just as bad. And you know, I just got actually uh, a page removed from Tumblr as well from all places, if you can believe that. Yeah. Although they are Yahoo-owned, so I guess it's not too out of left field. So let me ask, Bill, uh, we'd have this meeting of the minds that we're starting to organize. Derek Bros and uh, myself are trying to coordinate this meeting of the minds roundtable for alternative media uh, next month in Houston. This is actually the first time we're really speaking about it publicly. And, of course, you are invited. Uh, I believe you said minds will be represented there, which is wonderful. Very happy to hear that. But what do you, in your opinion, uh, what exactly needs to happen for like a significant 
push abusers to, to kind of uh, migrate to minds for it to start really giving these other social media uh, companies like a run for their money. Yeah, we, we have to get to the next order of magnitude of users. So we're like one and a half million users now, but like very active community. And, you know, we really just need everyone who's listening, sign up. If everyone in, can get 10 people on that we already have, then, you know, order of magnitude. We need to just make these these leaps and, and create network effects. I mean, the same way that we were all doing it with, with the Facebook pages, that's that's what it's all about. And and I think that, you know, we're working really hard behind the scenes to just, you know, we're hiring developers right now. It's, we have a responsibility, which we're a hundred percent beyond dedicated to, you know, building an app that is fully competitive with, with Instagram and Twitter and uh, YouTube and everything. And, you know, we're, we just did uh, a funding round. So we now really, you know, we've been hardcore bootstrapped. And, you know, we did an equity crowdfunding round last year. We raised a million from 1,500 members of our community. Everyone got, like, mm-hmm. equity in the business. It was a really beautiful experiment. And now we just did a, a, a new raise and with, like, a very sort of uh, freedom-focused, blockchain-focused uh, firm. Uh, we know what needs to get built. I mean, because we, we already know the tools. And, and so we're just going one step at a time. You talked about the funding round. Can you say anything about Patrick Byrne's involvement? Yeah, Patrick is is an incredible guy. He always sort of been an activist. He went after Wall Street corruption with naked short selling. He is a blockchain pioneer. He's starting a security token exchange. He, you know, Medici Ventures invests in all cutting-edge blockchain tech and you know they just know that decentralization is is where things are going so it's just exciting i'm i'm just the fact that it's all come together is is essential i think that there's this misconception with in the activist community in the free and open source software community that you sort of have to be nonprofit you don't want to take funding from sources that are obviously going to compromise your values, but I think that the whole activist world needs to, you know, nonprofit is essential and charities are essential, but so is generating revenue and creating sustainable businesses. So this is what we all have to do. It's just, uh, yeah, it's happening. So we need, I mean, it, it's all about development now. It's all about creating network effects and critical mass, getting everyone on. Uh, and we're just, we're building what the community wants. It, we, there's no reason for us to build anything other than what the, the people are voting to think is the most important thing. Why are all these social media companies not giving their customers what they actually want? Uh, you know, is it because their hands are being, uh, their arms are being twisted behind the uh, the scene? Are, are they afraid of being turned into public utilities? Are there threats being made? Um, do, do you have any insight on that as somebody in the industry? It is odd because you would think that they already know, they know this. They know that, I mean, so much of Twitter and Reddits and all of their growth has come from a lot of this type of content. And now they're, they're again, another, another bait and switch with the types of content that they allow. And I've just always thought there was going to be a natural, like 
gravitation towards more free and open networks. I mean, we're aligning our policy with the First Amendment and, you know, obviously no inciting violence or harassment or anything or like malicious behavior like that. But, you know, beyond that, we want to stay out of the subjectivity involved with content moderation. We still have a lot of content moderation to do even without that involved. So I, I just... But it, the, the inconsistency and the hypocrisy is so deep. I mean, Tumblr allows nudity. Twitter allows nudity. Um, Twitter allows hate speech. Twitter allows super offensive content. Some of it they take down. Others they don't. It It's just the... the uh, special treatment that certain networks are giving each other is is very strange, and I think that there's just politics involved. I think there's wars happening within these companies. It's not black and white, as if you know I, their infrastructure is corrupt. All of their infrastructures are corrupt because they're proprietary. The closed source. We don't have access to the code. I think that. The next networks that emerge have to be open source. If an alternative emerges and they're not open source and they're, they're trying to be an alternative, I'm sorry, they're not an alternative. They're not doing anything um, principally different. You know, they may say that they care about transparency, but if they're not walking the walk with regards to the code, um, there's just not even really a conversation to be had. So I, I tend to think that there's, yeah, there's internal wars happening. They're getting bullied into certain, you know, this is what we see happening uh, with geopolitics, with, you know, the global conversation occurring. It's, you know, social networks are representative of that larger conversation. And, and, and we see all the sensitivity around speech. Um, but, you know, we know what's going to win because the more open network is always going to be pulling the most information and, and having access to the most information about what's going on in the world is what puts the community in an informed position to to make educated decisions about what's going on in the world. If you're banning certain con I mean, certain content is illegal. OK, fine. But within what's legal, in order for the community to be uh, conscious of what is happening? Um, people are always going to have to go to that other network, it, like you know, prohibition of con whether it's content or or other stuff. It just doesn't work. That's a great point, and uh, we know that from the Streisand fact as well, right? I mean, that's uh, no matter how hard they try, people will always find a way. And it's the same thing, how black markets flourish. There's always a demand if there's a desire, and uh, people will always find a way. Our listeners who listened to the last podcast will have to forgive me because uh, I, I touched on this quote uh, last podcast, but I'd be interested to hear your opinion on it. So uh, Mark Zuckerberg on the 15th of November made a Facebook note post. He you know, he said a bunch of stuff, but he started the introduction, said many of us got into technology because we believe it can be a democratizing force for putting power in the people's hands. I've always cared about this, and that's why the first words of our mission have always been give people the power. I believe the world is better when people have a voice to share their experiences and when traditional gatekeepers like governments and media companies don't control what ideas can be expressed. So I guess the question is, you know, and this is obviously like your purely personal subjective opinion. But do you think like Zuckerberg has his hands tied and his feet held to the fire with all this crackdown of content and everything? Is it, do you think it's like politically motivated or is it like the board of directors influencing it just because they feel like it's uh, you know not going in the right direction? It should be more PC. 
He is a free human being that can say what he wants to say. And, you know, that is totally disingenuous, that quote. He, they started Facebook with a content policy, and a lot of content was not allowed. That's just the fact. It's always been like that. They've always been proprietary, and they've always had a highly restrictive content policy. Maybe they used to allow a little bit more than they allow now, but that's where they made their initial mistake because they went into it with this idea that, you know, you can't, there's just basically no explicit content allowed. I mean, even a Vietnam War photograph or a ancient piece of artwork depicting a nude woman or something, you know, that's not allowed on Facebook. That's just ridiculous. That's not, that's not a rational policy. And so they have not been designed to be a platform for full free expression ever. And I do think it's very hard. Yeah, they have boards, they have shareholders, but any of these executives, Google, Facebook, Twitter, even, you know, link, just name it, Apple, all of them. Their policies are all not aligned with the most intelligent possibility. And they can change any time. Or at least maybe if the company can't change, that's going to take longer. But the individuals always have the ability to, to speak out. And that's why you see the Instagram co founders, the WhatsApp. I mean, the WhatsApp founder literally left. He said, you're ruining the product. You're screwing over everyone's privacy. And he went and invested $50 million in Signal, which is an open source encrypted end-to-end -end messaging app. It's like, look, <laughs> anyone can do it. So these guys, these people are cowards until I, they always have the ability to change. They can always step up and, you know, people will forgive them if they, if they actually drive for real transformation. But you know, I don't I don't know if they have it in them to do. There was one interesting thing that has been popping up a little bit that I kind of understand, but as a as a non-technical person, I, I definitely kind of want to uh, get a little bit of a better understanding. So the idea of it being open source, like I understand that anybody can kind of see the code and what's up with it, but can you kind of explain like what would a developer say a developer hears about mines and wants to take a look at the code? Can, can you kind of explain how they would go about doing that and what their options are once they once they do look at the code and, and just kind of a, a little bit of the nuts and bolts of how that process works because I find that really yeah. interesting and I think um, it's kind of important to uh, explain why that is so it, it much of an important distinction between these proprietary uh, organizations. Yeah, I'm glad you, you brought that up more because... So basically anyone can go, so go to github.com slash mines. Any developer can install our whole stack. That means they can have our, our, our whole, their own net version of our network and start building code. The power of free and open source software is that thousands of developers all over the world can contribute uh, and push requests for changes and make proposals and, and build new features. And, you know, this is how GNU Linux exploded um you know becoming the go-to server code for you know the global financial infrastructure for most uh, tech companies you know most people are are running some distribution of GNU Linux that is insane I mean that changed the world and the same thing's happening with Bitcoin Bitcoin is free and open source and, and you know everyone can contribute to it 
everyone can can make it uh, whatever the community deems it needs to become. So the same the, Wikipedia is also open source, top ten website in the world, one of the most powerful sources of information. Granted, they have their own issues, but I think overall it's a huge benefit to humanity. So the same with social. Um, yeah, you, any developer would know once they go to our our Git and they can get going. General Public License is the license that our code is under. Richard Stallman and the Free Software Foundation created this. And it's the GPL version 3, which essentially says anyone can take and do whatever they want with the code. They can sell it. They can make their own. But if you make changes, you have to share your changes with the whole community. Everyone can do their own thing, but everyone shares the code with each other. So that, you know, that helps with worrying if people are going to run away with the code. And so, But you have huge... Uh, hugely billion-dollar tech companies that are open source. You have MongoDB, Docker, WordPress. So the business model works. There's this old archaic notion that you know you have to keep the blueprint secret so that no one runs away with your idea. But that's just like fear-based, and it's not even actually legitimate like the reality is that any tech project wants as many developers working on their their code as possible and you know that that force is way more powerful than keeping it private and having your little secret happy place so iphone or android which one are you android because android <laughs> right, is open good. source that's the correct answer All right good <laughs> me too i've never owned an iphone before but you have to be careful because and this is like part of the the transition that is really hard but to move all of us move our uses of different technology like the tech that we use is what creates the global power structure so don't use chrome and safari use brave firefox don't feed those beasts don't use windows don't like it's using debian or ubuntu as your serve as your os is so easy it's just as good like i'm sorry it, it's not it feels just like a mac desktop and that you're connected to the network so every time you turn on your computer you are feeding a beast so what who do you want to feed and you know the same goes for the phone but the see google and android are like inextricably tied so there is actually a fully free version of android called replicant which you can install on your android it's a little bit more basic but you know you're not to, you know forced to be hooked into google with everything on your phone. So there's all these steps that, that you can take. And it's, it's a long process though. It's like, it's not a rush. I just tell everyone like, you know, supplement with it, try these things out. You don't have to go cold Turkey and like be a hundred percent hardcore up front. but it's just like a, it's a satisfying process to, you know, undergo. So I had a chance to talk with you a little bit last month, Bill, right after the purge. And, you know, I kind of picked your mind a little bit about me. We, and, you know, of course, we're not trying to say anything bad about them, but you did point out that they, they aren't open source, and that kind of uh, was a head-scratcher for me because they are marketing themselves as this super privacy-concerned platform. I guess I'm not quite sure how I feel about it yet. I did start an account um, just like I did for Sue or TSU or however you say that and LO when those both first uh, came out because, you know, let's face it, when you're one of the early adopters on these you know, up-and-coming sites, you tend to have a little more followers and a little more influence uh, as it does catch on. So it's not a bad idea just to set up an account. 
But uh, I mean, how do you feel about Miwis? I and mean, obviously, we're not talking anything bad about them. But is there anything mm-hmm. you could kind of explain as far as distinguishing uh, mines from Miwi? Because it seems like Miwi has a little momentum right now as well. Yeah, I mean, any any network that even says that they care about privacy is going to be getting some some traction right now. And you know, I'm, I'm I, I wouldn't uh, try to yeah say anything overtly negative about their intentions. Maybe they just don't know. A lot of pe- a lot of um, a lot of companies and executives literally don't even know this stuff. They just build the platform and they just assume that. I think he probably knows, and I I hope that they go open source. Companies are just scared because they think that people are going to steal their stuff. That they just have. Yeah, that I was going to ask you. Think there's like lawyers telling them that it's an IP issue and that and that somebody is going to take their material and then can't claim copyright on it and then they're not going to have any access to it or something like that. Yeah, yeah, there's probably some kind of something like that going on. And the same with Sue, the same with Ello, both proprietary. You know, both did some interesting things, but Sue failed. Uh, Ello is not doing, I think they still exist, but they're not, they're not meaningfully shifting the paradigm. And so I, I don't think it's a good business decision for them to stay proprietary. If they, if they want developer and, uh, you know, actual trust of the community to the degree that you, you know you can trust it's uh yeah it's a leap but i think it's necessary i i don't see any other way so as far as the token system goes how does that affect like the average user who might not be really trying to promote anything uh will those tokens have value for them people if they generate them or will they be able to generate them at all yeah yeah well everyone who opts into the reward system earns them. And yeah, if you're not trying to promote content, you can just tip people. Uh, you can wire people. If you just click that lightning bolt icon on, on posts, you can just give them away. Um, yeah, it's, uh, or just don't even use them. It's, it's, I think most people who are trying to share content like using them because it takes like two seconds and it, it only helps. But yeah, some people might not care. I like I, I personally, yeah, every every day when I make a post, and I, you know, I'm not trying to burn people out uh, with our content. So if I see it has a little more engagement some, than one of the other posts uh, from the day prior, I'll just boost it. And like you said, it only takes a few seconds, and it's kind of cool. You guys have the option as well to see the the reach, how many people have actually seen your posts. So it gives you a little bit of an idea of how things are performing. And but, yeah, we're uh, gonna do more more analytics, and you know, we're gonna get the post scheduler coming and we should it'd probably be good to talk about the newsfeed a little bit because you know we're obviously committed to 100 percent organic reach forever uh, we're never going to mess with raw chronological default newsfeed like boost will show up once in a while but you'll you'll always see everything and then you know beyond that i think secondary feeds are fine for people to curate we actually have the ability now so that you know if you click top in the upper left assuming you're on desktop um, you can opt into certain hashtags so you can receive trending content from certain hashtags and curate, you know, different types of feeds. But the, the default always has to stay the same. That is where it seems Instagram's falling into it now, owned by Facebook. Obviously, they're, they're drifting from chronological. Twitter's even drifting. YouTube's default page is not. It's just a mishmash of what they want you to see. When that happens, the company has lost its way. What, what do you think will take to bring Facebook down? You Dude, know, they like, lost fifty percent of their their active users in like re, in recent uh, 
period of time. They're, they're, they're hemorrhaging. They're, I mean, I, it's going to be way harder to have Facebook or Google or Twitter become anything like what happened to MySpace because they're so embedded in everyone's life. And, and, you know, a lot of other apps rely on Facebook and Google APIs in order to operate. So it's not going to be that easy, but I think that most of Facebook's traffic is coming from WhatsApp and Instagram. I mean, the, the youth hates Facebook. They, they don't even probably know that Facebook owns Instagram and you know, everyone loves Instagram because it is an actually beautifully designed app. I like, I, I deleted mine because I just don't want to give them any more energy, but I will say Instagram is a beautifully designed app and that is where we're headed. But it's, so they're basically tricking everyone. Well, that's kind of what I worry about is because Instagram was kind of the, the up and comer and Facebook just bought it. And it's another, you know, product of Facebook now. And not to say that the tide can't turn. I mean, you know, we've we've seen that happen to MySpace, as you mentioned, but it does feel like things have been much more ingrained, integrated uh, into just almost everyday life. I mean, hell, you could see like ads everywhere and there's always like a little symbol or Facebook and Twitter, you know, to, to follow. Yeah, that's free advertising. Sure, yeah, but I mean, yeah. it's it's very, you know, uh, embedded into our culture at this point. So I would love to see the Minds logo right next to it, you know, and hopefully we could make that happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those little symbols, you know, everywhere, getting everyone to add Minds to, to their list of, of social, that, that kind of, um, you know, if you want to grab the icon, go to Minds.com slash branding and add, add a link. Um, it, it definitely, that connects with people's subconscious seeing, seeing, and I'm not trying to talk about like, you know, manipulating subconsciouses in, in a way, the sketchy way that Facebook does. But, you know, when we're talking about memes and culture and the spread of, of information, like these types of symbolic moves are, are, are very meaningful and, um, you know, that's, that's actually the, the really creepy part about, you know, what's happening with the censorship and the algorithms and, and how it's shaping global consciousness. They, they are actually, that's what they're doing. And, you know, they got exposed, Facebook got exposed for intentionally manipulating people's moods and proving that they could. And so we, that, that's what their newsfeed is. It, it, it's, it is programming people. And so that is just not acceptable when, when it's obscure. I'm glad that you actually touched on that because, you know, people like Zuckerberg or Jack Dorsey from Twitter, like, I don't think people really understand where they, they identify as politically or like what their beliefs are, their worldviews. Uh, and that kind of adds like a, a layer of mysticism and also just unclarity because people aren't really sure, uh, you know, if they favor their bias to a political leaning or whatever. Um, so if you don't mind, it, it would actually probably be very interesting for um, our listeners. Could you tell us where you yourself lean politically or how you identify with politics? I mean, are you like libertarian, progressive, anarchist? I know you're on the Tom Woods show a couple months back, which is like a very libertarian podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think that question in itself is sort of, I mean, you guys know this because you're, you guys are sort of the, uh, you create the false left, right, left, right paradigm means better than anyone else that I've seen. 
just sort of dispelling, you know, not, it's not about leaning. Um, definitely resonate with certain libertarian ideas, certain progressive ideas. I, I, I don't identify with the left-right thing. That's not where I'm at. I, but I definitely – and that's the fascinating thing is that rational libertarians, progressives align in in strange ways. I think that – and yeah, that's where – the the polarities of anarchism sort of meet. That's why Ron Paul and you know Dennis Kucinich are are friends. But where you get into sketchy territory is when there's like an authoritarian a call for some sort of authoritarian state to to control everything. So obviously I'm not for that. Uh, there is there is a a version of uh, anarchism that that is into that which I'm not. But I'm I'm open to issue based problem solving as opposed to identity politics. Yeah, and I like the <laughs> the analogy of the meeting between uh, Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich. You know, because uh, I have I hate politicians, all of them. Uh, but generally, uh, those are two that I at least had some respect for. For they're always being pretty much anti war, anti banker, and telling people the truth about stuff. I think that's going to satisfy and uh, be great news for a lot of our listeners and in the future when people its minds gets more and more popular and people seek out more information about who you are, what your beliefs are, because if, you, if you're not into that and kind of show a force, more or less, that's what I felt like our Facebook purge was and Twitter. You know, there was no compromise. There was no explanations. It was just arbitrary excuses and a show of force on Facebook's behalf, much like the police state when they roll out their MRAPs and their body armor and everything. So, um, you know, I, I had a epiphany a couple, maybe about a year ago, that social media is basically like a microcosm for the free market, right? So, like, page owners are entrepreneurs trying to produce content to satisfy consumers' demand. Um, users are voluntarily exchanging subjective preferences and information. The currency is kind of the market signals which are likes and shares. And, of course, Mark Zuckerberg is basically the state, right? And, and <laughs> so I, I'm personally happy to hear, and I kind of suspected this anyway, that you are like a, a free speech advocate. And I'm assuming that's more or less what initially got you to start Minds. When exactly was Minds started, and how did that process look? I mean, honestly, it's, it's hard to put a date on it. Uh, we started the company in 2011, but we used to do these events called uh, Gathering of the Minds in Burlington, Vermont, where I went to school at UVM. And we would do these – it was sort of an event platform where we would sort of fuse together a forum with a festival or you know, like a concert. And so we would debate an issue like, for instance, at UVM, we had one where it was about divestment from weapons manufacturers. The univer Most universities are actually invested in weapons manufacturers and all sorts of sketchy corporations. So we like dug through the university's portfolio, got student government, professors, um, students all together, and ultimately got UVM to divest from like Raytheon, General Dynamics, uh, Lockheed, a bunch of those. And then, so that was, that was epic. And then we would just have music festivals too, because I think activism without comedy and music activism is just, it's just painful. So it's, you need both together. And I'm honestly trying to get more into that. So that's, I'm really excited for 
uh, the event you guys are doing. I'll see if I can get there. I don't know if I can because I, I have to go, uh, like, I think that same weekend to uh, to Colorado. But I'm going to see if I can. If I'll definitely be there remote. But we're going to do one in, in, a, in 2019. I think we should try to get these live events going more because you know i actually used to be very anti anti anti-tech but that wasn't the place to be because technology is obviously just a it's almost like an extension of us i mean as long as it's free and open and you know the internet is is an amazing thing so i but that's why i was doing more of the live events then i decided to embrace the internet but still it's messed up with what social media is doing to our psychology and like our addictions and you know we're all struggling with it personally i want to add features into minds that are like you know notifications like go outside like even some big apps are starting to do this because it's just becoming crazy how how much we check right and there's there's studies being coming out now that social media is being associated with depression and yeah, and like you said, Facebook just recently, I think there is a way to actually activate like a more or less like a timer. It, it comes up and pops up and tells mm-hmm. you like how long you've been on Facebook. And yeah, I mean, shit, <laughs> that'd be pretty frightening to actually look at ours. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, or, but uh, it's, you know, it's not to say that there. it's all negative. I mean, you can be present and be doing amazing creation on online and learning incredible. So it's not black or white. It's it's just about self-discipline generally seem pretty optimistic about the fact that these tech giants and social media corporations are not completely unstoppable and that the battle isn't totally over like you see you seem very very confident i mean i guess you're you're on the front lines of this so you have to be you you definitely seem like you're optimistic about the future yeah i mean mostly because we've seen it happen before and, you know, like what I was mentioning with Linux and, and Wikipedia, I mean, Wikipedia took out, remember Encarta? <laughs> I mean, oh, it probably yeah. still exists, but like, you know, some proprietary encyclopedia. Okay, those still exist. I'm not saying Wikipedia is the best source of information in the world, but it's very good now. It links to primary sources. Um, you should always do your own research, and there's always going to be valuable encyclopedias, but Wikipedia did it. Uh, WordPress did it for cms's um you know don't use squarespace use wordpress uh and also bitcoin linux it's just time and time again so we know that it's going to happen and the other important thing so we're working uh, with this protocol now called activity pub which allows federation between nodes of mines so like if people want to set up it's it's a serious initiative to set up a node like you you need full-time developers on it but um like mastodon does federation as well between nodes so that you can cross post and people can have their own networks that's really important and that's cool because we can federate with other decentralized social networks that are using activity pub so that's going to be coming out probably early next year. And, but we're also working on a fully decentralized network, which will run in parallel to mines, which is more hybridized. And it's a project called Nomad, github.com slash mines slash Nomad. And it runs through the Beaker browser, which is a peer-to-peer browser. So, you know, everything is – there's no central servers. It's, it's all kind of torrent-based. And we – people's Ethereum – so you, on mines, you have a wallet 
which is your Ethereum address. Your and that address will now be the username uh, identity layer of Nomad, and then it syncs with DAT protocol, which is what you. So it's like DAT colon slash slash is what you will put into the Beaker browser and then whatever website. And these websites are, you guys got to check out Beaker Browser and, and DAT because you, there's a little toggle on the top of your screen when you go to a site. You can choose to like help be a peer of, of giving support to that site and like how long you want to be a peer. And the, no one can take down anything. It's, it's uncensorable. Like I don't even really like being in the position of making these kinds of decisions about content. It's like, it's, it's the worst part of the job, to be honest, because there are edge cases that are annoying and I just don't, it's not where I ultimately want to be spending my time. Now, the paradox of hybrid centralized sites versus fully decentralized is that when you put something into a fully decentralized network, it's not, you know, you can't take it down. So people may want the right to delete something. You, you know, Putting something out in, onto a blockchain, which is immutable, you can't delete from it, um, or DAT, or like IPFS, or one of these other uh, frameworks, it's, uh, you know, I think that people need to have the choice, so you should be able to say, all right, I'm uploading this photo. Do I want to be able to delete this someday? Okay, then I sh- that should probably be on a server somewhere where I can take it off. Do I, is this something that I, that I want to unleash into the ether? Um, then maybe you do that. But then there's problems with that, with actual illegal uh, stuff that could happen, which is why we saw, you know, Napster and a lot of these other companies get uh, get taken out because of, of a lot of those issues. So it's very shades of gray. I know you just explained a lot about what's going on with mines and the future. What it, What's like the one thing you're the most excited about regarding the future of mines? I'm I'm excited about this whole network of networks that's that's rising. I mean, with you guys and and Antimedia and all of these publishers who are creating the best, most insightful, intelligent content, and you know, with like the free and open source browsers and like all these different layers of the stack. It's like you know, you guys are sort of really focused on creating content and then you know we're focused more on the social uh layer and then you know you have the browser layer and the os layer and then you have the but then there's other layers like there's the energy layer which i think is is super important like we're we're trying to have all of our servers be uh solar um and then that's why peer-to-peer is is amazing too because you don't have like massive energy costs we are actually you know we do have some servers at Amazon, which is, you know, they've actually been been good so far. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen, and we are portable, so if, if something happens. But they've been actually, uh, you know, surprisingly uh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, I want to maintain a good relationship with all these companies. It's just that, you know, they're not really giving us uh, much reason to – to have confidence in them. I mean, you got, we're, our links are blocked in Facebook messenger right now. It's like Google has given us issues. It's, um, it's, it's a crazy world. We don't want to speculate, but it feels like they don't like competition much. huh? <laughs> yeah. And I know, I imagine, uh, I think that's a fight that we can probably work on together. Absolutely. 
Yeah, and I think that's a good place for us to wrap up for today. Is there anything that you want to tell our listeners before you leave or where they could reach you or anything like that? Uh, So minds.com slash Ottman, O-T-T-M-A-N. Hit me up there. That's that's my main spot. Um, but, you know, I'll hit up uh, at freethoughtproject.com too. Yeah, yeah. and uh, everybody else, if you're listening, uh, please rate, review, subscribe, unless you're driving or something like that. But if you're not, if you could please take the minute to do that, it really helps us get back out there and keep on getting in front of new eyes. Until next time, peace. Peace.